Welcome to the All About Audiology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lilach Saperstein. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the newborn hearing screening. Now, one of the many hospital screenings that occur within the first day or two days of birth is the newborn hearing screening. And the key word is screening, which means it's a pass or fail kind of test. You either pass the screening or you don't pass the screening. It's not a diagnostic test. A diagnostic test means that we're determining the specific type or degree or configuration of hearing loss and really getting a lot of information. And a screening is just choosing a cutoff and saying anyone who passes this, we're calling them pass. And if they don't pass this, it's fail. But it won't tell you if there's a little bit of hearing loss, a lot of hearing loss, what kind of hearing loss. In other words, just because a baby will fail the hearing screening, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have a hearing loss. There are other things that could be going on. We'll discuss them throughout this episode. And also, even if the fail is accurate and there is a hearing loss, we still need to get more information about the type, the degree, and the configuration. And if you've been listening to the podcast, we've discussed in previous episodes how important it is to understand the type, degree, and configuration of a hearing loss in order to know what what devices would be appropriate or what's the best way to approach the rehabilitation process for the specific kind of hearing loss. The universal newborn hearing screening is a means of identifying hearing loss as early as possible and it has been a very positive initiative throughout the world because early identification and intervention lead to better outcomes for deaf and hard of hearing children. Now in the olden days, before this universal newborn hearing screening was instituted, what would happen is that the first time a hearing loss, even deafness, would be identified would be later on in the child's life, maybe when they were two years old and weren't speaking, later on in their development when parents notice they don't always respond or don't hear softer sounds. So it would be identified through the behaviors and through noticing that child wasn't listening or wasn't able to hear, but not at infancy. And the reason that the universal newborn hearing screening is so valuable is because it can identify children who are deaf or hard of hearing much earlier on in their life, right at the beginning of their life, and get a full diagnosis and then implement interventions as early as possible to give the children language input. Another thing that I've talked about on this show before and something that I'm very passionate about is the problem of language deprivation. Now, when I say language deprivation, I don't necessarily mean spoken language as speech, but I also mean language, which could also include sign language. One of the biggest detriments to deaf and hard of hearing children is language deprivation in the first two to three years of life, which are the critical periods of language acquisition. If we identify a baby to have a hearing loss and that baby then gets a hearing aid or a cochlear implant or other devices that will try to maximize their auditory potential, then they will get many months of input, of auditory input, in order to help them with their language development, with speech and language development in that case. Or if a baby is identified as deaf and the primary mode of communication is sign language, then that baby will receive sign language input from the start. This happens naturally if family members are deaf, but it's something that needs to be identified. And if parents want to pursue sign language as a mode of communication for their child, then they can do so early on and the child will get language input from the start. So we've talked about the value of the newborn hearing screening and how wonderful it is that it's been implemented universally. That means every baby who's born will have the newborn hearing screening in the hospital. This is true in the U.S. and many, many countries around the world. The newborn hearing screening in most hospitals consists of one of two tests, the OAE 
or the ABR. There's a lot of medical abbreviations in audiology. I've briefly discussed the OEE and ABR in previous episodes, but for right now, I'll be discussing the implications of the baby not passing the initial screening, be it with an OAE or an ABR. If a baby does not pass the screening in either ear, then the screening is repeated once more before the baby is discharged home. Generally, we try to do it so that the screening is done within the 24 to 48 hours of the baby's birth. And if they don't pass or if there isn't time to do an initial screening because the baby is sent home, then they will be sent for a follow-up screening at a community audiology practice or they'll be asked to return to the hospital practice. And there are protocols set in place for these babies and these families to be monitored and make sure that they do get the follow-up screening. There are statewide databases that audiologists and other medical professionals can access to keep an eye on those babies who did not pass the screening. So if a baby didn't pass the newborn hearing screening, it can be a sign of a number of things. It doesn't automatically mean the baby has a hearing loss. And we know there's the concept of a false positive, which means the test result shows that this patient should be flagged, that this baby failed, quote unquote, and they're having a problem when they actually don't have the problem that's being tested for, they're failing for other reasons. So here are some of the reasons why a baby would have had a false positive, meaning it seems that they failed the screening, but they actually have normal hearing. The first one would be malfunctioning equipment. And even though equipment is calibrated every day or regularly and it's tested to ensure that it's working properly, sometimes equipment does malfunction. And the people who are doing the screenings in the hospital, whether it's a nurse or a technician or an audiologist, are looking out for signs that the equipment isn't working. For example, if they get a few babies not passing in a row, they'll try to see, wait a minute, this is, you know, it's possible. It is possible that there's a few babies who don't pass in a row, but just to say, hey, let's just make sure and confirm that there isn't anything wrong with the equipment. Um, Often the screener can test their own ears if they know that they have a normal hearing, and there's also equipment that is made to test the equipment, calibration equipment. Another reason would be fluid or debris in the ear remaining from the birth. We have to remember that a baby was living in amniotic fluid for nine months, and when they're born, it can take a couple of hours for their ears to clear of all that fluid or anything else. Sometimes it can take up to two weeks for this to happen, for the ear canals to actually be clear and for the test to be valid and be able to test the hearing. The size and shape of the ear canal also comes into play, even though the equipment is designed for infants and for tiny little ears. Some babies have extreme extremely very very small little ears that are just too small for the equipment you can't get a good seal the probe the little earpiece that's put into the ear needs to fit in snugly within the ear and although we do have different sizes like I mentioned there can be little ears that are very very small or that have a very curvy ear canal especially babies who are premature who have very very small structures that might be a reason why the hearing screening is not able to be performed there is also human error And when people are performing and recording the screenings, everyone is, after all, human and mistakes do happen. Even a mistaken keystroke in the medical record could trigger the system to label a test as a fail and request a follow-up screening, even if they actually did get a pass, but it was recorded incorrectly. So anytime that there's a follow-up, we always repeat the screening first to just rule out if that was the case. Whenever there was a re-screening of one ear, saying they passed in the right ear but didn't pass in the left ear, then no matter what, we would always re-screen both ears just to be sure that we were covering all of our bases. Now, in the case that the second screening also results in a fail, that's when we're going to say, okay, we need to do a full diagnostic workup. And this workup is performed by an audiologist. The full workup 
consists of an ABR. That's the auditory brainstem response, and that's done while the baby is sleeping with electrode stickers on their forehead and behind their ears. These are used to monitor the auditory nerve and brainstem activity in response to sounds, and the sounds are placed with the little earphone into their ear. This evaluation can take about 45 minutes or even an hour depending on the sleep state of the baby. It's not uncommon for several appointments to be needed in order to obtain a complete result, especially if the baby is fussy or keeps waking up, so we might have to see them a few times. And in some rare cases where we can't do it in a natural sleep state, then an ABR can be performed in the hospital under sedation in order to get the result. With the results of the ABR, we're able to see if the child has a hearing loss, what degree of hearing loss, that means mild, moderate, moderately severe, severe and profound, and we can get a sense of the configuration of the hearing loss, if it's a high frequency hearing loss or a flat, meaning the same kind of hearing loss across all the frequencies that are tested. And we also get information about each ear individually. And like I said before, the earlier the identification, the better it will be for that child. Because we can implement early interventions, when a hearing loss is identified, it's sometimes recommended that the entire ABR is repeated in another clinic with different equipment and different clinicians to confirm the diagnosis because even though we are getting results that are coming from the equipment and they are objective, the baby doesn't have to do anything for us to get the results, but it is sometimes a good idea to get a second opinion on the interpretation of those results. Once a hearing loss is identified, the process of deciding which communication modes will be introduced, sign language, auditory oral method, and Starting to take a look at what are the intervention options for this child, which devices are going to be considered hearing aids, will they be interested in pursuing a cochlear implant evaluation, and of course scheduling monitoring and further evaluations. And this is all an effort to set this child up for success. We talked about the false positive and what would happen if a child doesn't pass the screening but has normal hearing. And I also want to mention that the opposite can also be true to a degree, which is that even if a child passes the screening, it doesn't rule out that they might have a mild hearing loss. A mild hearing loss sounds, you know, sounds mild, not such a big deal. But actually, for the development of speech and language for children, a mild hearing loss will affect their speech and language development. There's also progressive hearing loss, which means that at the time of birth, they passed and there wasn't a hearing loss present, but it could be that over time, throughout the lifespan, children can develop hearing loss or their hearing loss, which was mild at the time of birth, progresses to more severe hearing loss. So any babies who are at risk for hearing loss should continue to be monitored and risk factors include family history of hearing loss, any time spent in the NICU, any deformities of the ear or face or identified syndromes and if there's any of those other things going on and even if that child passed the initial hearing screening we are going to want to check up on them when they turn one and when they turn two to evaluate their hearing at that time and monitor their hearing ability. This episode was about the newborn hearing screening and although I mentioned many many benefits of the newborn hearing screening we also have to recognize that it's a very difficult time for parents especially new parents I mean any parents who have just had a baby and if they learn that their baby has failed the hearing screening they leave the hospital with questions they don't have answers their baby failed the hearing screening but they don't know what that means and maybe at a follow-up appointment they do learn of their child's diagnosis of hearing loss or of deafness 
And this is a very difficult news to receive. On top of all the stressors of the postpartum period, this information, in addition, can be really, really difficult to receive and hard for parents. And there's a grief cycle. Grief is natural and necessary when this news is unexpected. Most children with hearing loss are actually born to hearing parents. So I'll just say a word to any of you out there that it's important to give yourself permission to experience any emotions and any of the feelings that you have about this. They're all valid. And I recommend that you seek support from other parents and from professionals who can provide you with guidance and information. And it's one of the reasons that I make this podcast There's a lot of support out there for children with hearing loss, and although it is a very difficult diagnosis, I believe that having a lot of information will give you power. When you become empowered with information and knowledge, and you have the proper guidance and support, and you become the best advocate that your child deserves. Additional referrals can also be made as they pertain to your child, and these might include genetic testing and counseling, a vision testing, workup of the heart and lungs or of the kidneys, depending on what the genetic tests show. There's a lot of information, and it can be extremely overwhelming, but having that information can help you understand your child's situation and address their needs better. So if you're listening to this because you Googled my baby didn't pass a newborn hearing screening, I want to tell you, do not jump to conclusions. Um, Be prepared for the screening to be repeated and, and for the baby to undergo diagnostic testing over the next couple of weeks. And whatever the results will be, you are your child's best advocate and know that knowledge is power and you are going to do what's best for your child. And by the way, congratulations on your new baby. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of the All About Audiology podcast. We talked about the newborn hearing screening. Next week, we're going to be talking about tubes. We're going to talk about ear infections, middle ear effusion, and we're going to be talking about the ear tubes that are sometimes put in by an ENT to drain the fluid and keep it from building up. These are also called PE tubes, pressure equalizing tubes, or grommets, as I believe they're referred to in the UK. So we'll be talking about that in the next episode. But before that, we're going to have our All About You episode, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about today's episode about newborn hearing screening. I'd love to hear your experience of the newborn hearing screening or anything else you'd like to share or ask me about or any feedback you have about the show. You can reach me lots of different ways on my website, All About Audiology. There's a contact page or you can leave comments on any of the posts. You can find me on Instagram at All About Audiology Podcast and we have a listening group on Facebook which you can join. I look forward to hearing from you and I'm so glad you're listening to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lilach Saperstein. And this is the All About Audiology Podcast.